So this morning's uh, message is uh, entitled, Made Free from the Law of Sin and Death. And that comes from Romans, the 8th chapter, and verse 2. And, and we're going to, we're going to uh, read that uh, first few verses. We'll probably go through verse 11 if we have time this morning. <clears throat> verse uh, Romans, the 8th chapter, verse 1. There is therefore now... No condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus had made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So again, today's title is uh, made, made Free from the Law of Sin and Death. And <clears throat> although that's our main text today, the, that truth is contained throughout the Scriptures and, and in every book. And uh, as we keep our fingers there it's, and look to a, a couple of other places where we want to read this morning, I would like to say that it's, it's been our custom for the last 16 or so years to uh, close our messages in the Bible class and uh, times we're filling in with a sentiment that's expressed in uh, the gospel recorded by John in chapter 8, be free. We always sign off with be free and so I'd like to kind of turn over there to John chapter 8 to where, and we find that in that block of scripture Jesus was preaching in the temple to some Jews in which some Jews there were caused to believe, and others in unbelief were uh, beginning to dispute him and to argue with him. And 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 so as we we'll turn to uh, John chapter John chapter eight there and. In uh, verse uh, 30, it says, As he spake these words, many believed on him. In verse 31, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And they answered him and said, We be Abraham's seed, and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou that ye shall be made free? And Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin, and the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the Son abideth ever. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's seed, but you seek to kill me, because my word hath no place in you. I speak that which I have seen with my father, and you do that which you have seen with your father. So, again, this... Uh, business of the the truth making you free and if the sun shall make you free you shall be free indeed the, the what we wanted to bring out uh, to your attention there and you know it's it's interesting that that the the reply of the lord's antagonists these jews that didn't believe uh was in error on a couple of points uh, just as we found in the uh, 
Matthew and, and Luke in the previous Bible class, you do err not knowing the Scriptures nor the power of God. And, and they certainly fell into that category. Uh, they, they were in error on two points here, a denial of being in bondage. Uh, I, I guess if we, if we cross off the Babylonians and the Egyptians, then we could say, <laughs> well, no, we weren't in bondage to anybody else. And uh, physically, they were of the lineage of Abraham, and were, they were exceedingly proud of it. That was the things they, they always fell back on in their religion was uh, the lineage of Abraham, and they kept meticulous records of the parentage and, and the lineage as they came down, and and the keeping of the law. Those two things were the, that they were proud of and and boasted in, and and spiritually they really had no connection to Abraham, who believed God, and it was imputed to him for righteousness, as we find in uh, James chapter two, uh, as that that's written there that. Uh, Abraham believed God and it was imputed to him or counted to him for righteousness. And the Lord on other occasions said, if you were Abraham's seed, you would love me. Abraham saw my day and was glad. Uh, and, and yet he was there in front of him and, and they they rejected him. The, the truth that the Lord spoke to here and which he clarifies uh, was regarding a spiritual condition uh, to which the physical was a type, this bondage, both physical and spiritual, where he, he says, uh, this, whoever commits sin is the servant of sin, and, and you're at, that's what you're in bondage to. The children of God, the, the church, the sheep, were allegorically referred to as the spiritual children or seed of Abraham, as Paul expounds in, in his writings, that uh, they are not all Israel which are of Israel, but... In, Abraham, in the, the seed of the promise are counted uh, as the spiritual seed. And <clears throat> so both those things kind of went over the head of those Jews to whom he were speaking because they looked at things with physical eyes. They saw things with physical understanding. They didn't apply any spiritual anything because the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. And <clears throat> so... As you say, whoever commits sin is the servant of sin, and and the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. And if the son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. So that's uh, a key point here, that that we have to be made free. We can't free ourselves. And contained in this verse here in John are several eternal and immutable truths that uh, number one, we find that Jesus is the truth. And he is synonymous with the truth, and all truth resides in him and comes from him. And he says in John fourteen six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am those three things. And no man cometh unto the Father but by me. So when it says, you shall know the truth, it expresses a saving knowledge of the Lord and not just a series of facts or words. That, like the, we could say a truth here is, uh, you know, two and two equals four. That's a truth. That's just word truths. But this truth expresses a knowledge of Jesus. He says, I am the truth. And 
you know, I, I was watching the news the other day and and or some commercial and and some person that had a kind of a warped sense about reality says, I'm going to express my truth. <laughs> what I understand is my truth, you know, not necessarily uh, connected to reality in any form, but this, this is this is my truth, but it's not a universal truth as we would express it here in the Bible. Not just a series of facts or words. This truth is this Jesus which makes you free. The, the truth is contained in and is the actual gospel of Jesus, the Son of God. The, the, and the key to this is revealed in the first few verses in Paul's uh, epistle to the Romans. And, and Mike read those. Uh, we'll, we'll expand on those a little bit here in Romans chapter 1 and, and bring out a couple of things. If you turn to Romans chapter 1, verse 1, where Paul is, as Mike said in his introduction, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, uh, which he formerly wasn't in his natural state, called to be an apostle, which he wasn't, uh, didn't appear to be in his former state. He was a persecutor of the church, separated under the gospel of God, which he had a fore-promised by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. That's an interesting thing that Paul, he was a Pharisee's Pharisee and he had all this teaching at the feet of Gamaliel and the law and everything that they never saw Christ in any of that teaching until the Lord, he said, until it pleased the Lord to reveal his Son in me. Now, if something is in you, then it can be revealed. If it's not in you, it can't be revealed because it's not there. So, And the Lord says, you know, he was a chosen vessel unto me to take my gospel to the Gentiles. So uh, he was to be accepted by the those folks in Damascus whom he was on his way to persecute. <coughs> so uh, <coughs> the gospel of God, and w- one of the things that I wanted to bring out, there's the, the Trinitarian aspect of these first couple of verses because all three things are named in this block of scripture in verse uh, 1 through 4 Paul a servant of Jesus Christ called to be an apostle separated unto the gospel of God God the Father which he had a forepromise by his prophets in the holy scriptures concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh God as man and as God and declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. So we have all three aspects of the Trinitarian. It was interesting when he read that uh, scripture uh, from Isaiah. He, one of his titles is uh, the Prince of Peace and the Eternal Father, uh, the Everlasting Father. I think it was in that King James Version that he read this morning. Uh, all these different aspects of God that... that uh, it, we see him as an it's interesting as we we're going to look at another scripture in Isaiah chapter 8 where where that is becomes uh, a, a important and interesting so this link with the son of god becoming the son of david becoming man thus eternally uniting himself with the children of god who god gave him in the eternal covenant of grace he came and dwelt uh, here I'll show you a miracle uh, I'll send my son. A virgin shall conceive. And 
all the things that he would do for his people in their redemption. <clears throat> so he became one with the children God gave him in the eternal covenant of grace. And they were one with him in eternity. They were given to him, it says, before the foundation of the world. <clears throat> and the work of the Trinity in salvation declared in the gospel of God, his son Jesus Christ and the spirit of holiness who indeed causes us to be made free. And this is uh, uh, only possible uh, because of what they have done. It's only possible through them, through an external source. It's impossible for one to free himself from this condition being being found dead. And Lazarus could not free himself from that tomb that he was in. He was there. He was dead. Someone had to roll that stone away. Someone had to come in and exert an external force on him to cause him to be alive and to free him from where this condition that he was in, loose him and let him go. <clears throat> the one that's dead in trespasses and sin has no ability, has no will, has no power. So we must then be made free by an external power, an outside cause, and an eternal will. When this occurs, this, this being made free, the Spirit bears witness of the completed work of Christ in our behalf. And then, we're, then we become aware of this actual bondage that we were in, this bondage to sin, this bondage to this slavery. Uh, I was looking for that verse that Mike read from... Uh, from uh, Isaiah chapter 9. Uh, let me turn there real quickly. Couldn't quite put my finger on it there this morning, but... Uh, Isaiah it was 61 9, I think it was. Yeah. <clears throat> the 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 verses that I was looking for was in the first few verses there in Isaiah uh, 61. This is a uh, quoted by the Lord in uh, Luke chapter 4 as we remember from our study in in Luke, but in Isaiah 61:1 the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings, good news, the great news, unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes." the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. So there's kind of this simultaneous action that happens in salvation, where, as Paul said, uh, when it pleased God to reveal his son in me, he revealed the, the sin nature and... Uh, 
the Spirit convicts us of that sin, and at the same time, says, reveals to us, it's been taken care of. So at the same time, we have beauty for ashes. Like the scriptures are always pointing out in the Old Testament, where they they repent, they they uh, in 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 ashes and sackcloth and things that make it them aware uh, a sign that they're aware of their condition. I was I was in ashes and sackcloth. I was uh, I saw myself in the sin. Uh, the oil of joy for mourning. Those that mourn for their sins and say, "Oh my gosh, what have I done? My my word, look at the sin that that I've committed all my life. The unbelief, the rejection of God, and yet He's loved me all this time. And so we have the oil of joy given to us that that takes care of that. The the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. All those things that He, it's kind of a simultaneous action where He makes us aware of our condition and then says, but I took care of that. I've, I've taken care of that. I've, I've paid for that. I've, took, I've removed that from you and therefore you're made free from the law of sin and death. <clears throat> In Luke chapter 1 verse 77, uh, it says to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins. Uh, you know, it doesn't say, I'm going to give them knowledge about how to be saved. <laughs> it says, I'm going to, I give them knowledge of salvation by the remission of their sins. That, and how does the remission of their sins takes place by Jesus taking their sins on himself at the cross and then imputing to them his righteousness. So, knowledge of an existing condition because of an act which has occurred not knowledge about how to obtain uh, that that fact and, and in this exchange of imputation this this wonderful thing happens that uh, Jesus expounds in Matthew chapter 5 he says they that mourn will be comforted just you think oh I'm guilty, and, and as Norm's always saying, you know, born-again believers are the only ones says, yep, I've deserved, <laughs> I'm guilty. I deserve whatever the Lord has in store for me. I, I'm guilty, and mercy is probably the last thing I deserve, but then we find out that mercy is what He has established for us from before the foundation of the world in the covenant of grace. Uh, and Romans goes in later on in Romans goes into quite detailed explanation of whom he foreknew them he predestinated and and so on we're not we're not going to get to that today but we want to make our point here in in this made free and the causative action that's required for that uh, to transpire in again in Romans 8 chapter 1 the lead-in there is, we, uh, we read that earlier, there is therefore, and that therefore that makes you back up. <laughs> that When you see therefore or for, that always has you back up to what transpired before as the causative agent 
for what you're you're reading now or what transaction is occurring now so it's the causative link to the thing declared previously and which is devoted chapter 7 is just devoted to the describing the awful condition regarding the flesh and the deliverance of that by Christ who who satisfies all the law for us and by imputation of his infinite righteousness to us because of our eternal union with him Paul says, man, I thought I was a a law guy. (laughs) And then when the Lord revealed His Son in me, the the law killed me. (laughs) But then he says, thank God that through Christ I don't serve that anymore, but I serve with the flesh. I'm committed to this things that I can't do much about in because I'm in this world and I'm in this body, but this is but the inward man that I serve the the law of the Spirit of God, and, and he says, and therefore there's no condemnation to them that are in Christ that are uh, that walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death, and this made uh, just. If you could just underline that. You're made free from the law of sin. And that's because of and due to the merit of Christ as our Savior having taken care of, of that issue for us. The, you know, the law here, this word the law, expresses authority and power. That's what the law. We have our laws here. The We have various laws here in, in Oregon, in the Dalles where we live that... Uh, and, and those express authority that's given to the governing agent by the people, and then those laws are published and and cemented in, and we're all obliged to to go by them. But they 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 have the power and they have the authority, and that's what that law represents. And and so we're made free from the law of sin, and we're made alive by the law of the Spirit in Christ Jesus. And this this authority and power is described by the Lord Himself in John chapter 17. Mike read this earlier in the Bible class. We're going to we'll read it again. In John 17, 2, the Lord is in His this wonderful prayer that He says so many things about regarding the the people that God the Father gave him in the covenant of grace, thine they were, thou gavest them to me. He says, as thou hast given him power over all flesh. All power, that means we're speaking to his authority, his ability, his power. That, and that tells us that for the purpose of, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou has given him. So that law of the spirit of life in Christ is contained in this in in this power that he has to give eternal life, the the this freedom from the law of sin and death. Accepted in by God in Christ, with whom we are one. And and part of that John chapter seventeen says I will that they be one as we are one and I and them and them and me and 
I know, and and he, he speaks to this unity that the believers that the Father gave him have with him, and that unity is an everlasting unity. It's an eternal unity. It's a unity that's that's always been there, <clears throat> and that's to whom this is expressed. That thou should give, he should give eternal life to as many as thou has given him, and. <clears throat> So uh, here we're going to turn back to that scripture that I mentioned uh, briefly a minute ago about Isaiah 8 in verse 18. And imagine, if you will, the Lord has been crucified. He's, as Mike said, he, the work is finished. The work that thou gavest me to do, I have finished it. He finished it on the cross. Into my into my hands I commend my soul, and he gave up the ghost. And then he was resurrected some time later, and and goes in front of the Father and says, "Behold, I and the children whom Thou hast given me are for signs and wonders." The children, not just the children from all time, all the children that God gave him. Behold, I and the children whom thou hast given me are for signs and wonders. I've taken care of all of them. I didn't lose a single one. I've not left anything behind. I took care of all their sins for all time. I took their sins on me, and I imputed to them my infinite righteousness and so when God looks at Christ, He sees Christ, and then He sees us in Christ, and we're made free from the law of sin and death. You know, Haldane points out in the Old Testament that the high Robert Haldane, an old writer that's Christian writer, that's a commentary on Romans. <coughs> points out that in the Old Testament the high priest went to the Holy of Holies once a year to appear before God in his holy garments that the Lord had expressed that he be clothed in and among that was the ephod that was covered with the twelve stones that had the names of the twelve tribes engraved on them and covering his heart. And as he went into the Holy of Holies to apply that blood, the remembrance of the names of all those children are on his chest. Jesus said, they're, they're engraved on my palms. <coughs> Their names are engraved on my palms. Uh, hard for us to imagine that. That's from... Uh, Exodus chapter 28, 29, Aaron shall bear the names of the children of Israel in the breastplate of judgment upon his heart when he goes into the holy place for a memorial before the Lord continually. All those whose he has made free from the law of sin and death. In Isaiah forty nine sixteen, Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. He, he engraved his I have engraved them the upon the palms of my hands thy walls it says thy walls are continually before me that it means thy containment 
it's it's not like a like we have walls. It's it's speaking of his containment of us. As uh, again, I'll reference to Mike. It was in John chapter ten, but in uh, John chapter ten, verse twenty-seven through twenty-nine. If you want to turn in your Bibles, there, John tw- chapter ten, verse twenty-seven. He said, "The Lord is speaking." He says, "My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me." And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hands. They're in that containment. We're kept by the power of God. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. So we're in kind of a double containment wall there. That those that he gave the, the Son in the covenant of grace... And no man is able to pluck them out of my hand. And and he he expounds on that later on in Romans chapter 8. And he lists all the things that can't separate us from the love of God in Christ. And and it's a lengthy, pretty much he just says everything. (laughs) Nothing, nothing can separate us. He says, therefore, because of that, there is now... No condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Now, we want to speak a little bit about that walking after the flesh thing. Is, But walking through the Spirit of God, that means we're not walking according to the flesh. We're not walking based on our own merit. We're not walking uh, in religion. We're not walking in in works we're not walking in keeping the law we're not walking in here's what I've done or all my good works or anything that we might do for ourselves we're we're walking in the spirit and the spirit what does the spirit do Jesus says when the spirit comes he's going to testify of me he's going to bear witness of me he's going to reveal Christ in his people, he's going to reveal what Christ did for them on the tree. And then we would rely on that totally for salvation. We would rest. The Hebrews says, He that has entered into his rest has ceased from his own works. So we're not walking after the flesh anymore. We're walking after the Spirit, trusting totally in Christ having total reliance on Him for salvation. We're no longer subject to the condemnation of the law because the law never saves anyone. The law just shows us our guilt. And, and <clears throat> it's funny that, that in an unregenerate state, it doesn't even do that. <laughs> it doesn't, that does not occur until after the Spirit breathes into you the breath of life and you're able to understand spiritual things <clears throat> because... Everybody that's in their natural state says, well, I've kept the law. I've never done this. I've never done that. But they miss the spiritual parts where thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy strength and all thy might and all thy heart. and all thy... We, we can't do that even after we're born again. We, just, we fail miserably in that. 
<clears throat> because it requires 24-7 continuous worship in that way and love in that way and and in our we have this we're in tabernacles of clay <laughs> feeble and frail <clears throat> so we depend on Jesus to take care of that he's the only one that can save that and since we're in him we get to take advantage of that we get to have that applied to us in our, in our spirit and and so that is supplied to us whatever one of the things you always find in the scriptures is that whatever God demands he supplies for his people now, he doesn't just demand it and then leave it up to us to kind of come up with our own uh, uh, way that it works and <clears throat> the law of sin and death just says that the soul that sinneth it shall die and <clears throat> Paul wrote there in chapter 7 that that physical law which he boasted in as as regarding the law I'm I'm blameless he said in uh, Colossians or one one of his epistles he says I was a Pharisee of the Pharisee concerning the law guiltless I did I kept all the law and I tithed I, I, he was like that Pharisee in the temple with the with the publican. I do all these things. I, 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 I. And then when he had the Lord revealed to him, he said, I didn't do any of those things. I failed in every aspect. I applied them all in the wrong way. The law that I thought I kept actually killed me. But simultaneously, the Spirit revealed to him that he was made alive in Christ. And the truth of the gospel became real to him. The power of the gospel is the, the law of God unto salvation. And that gospel, it's his power. In Romans 1.16, it says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Complete power, complete authority, complete affectionness are all contained in the, the law that we speak to here. The gospel applied effectually in the elect by the power of the Holy Spirit. The good news then, the great news, the wonderful news, is that there is now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, not after the supposed keeping of the law, the trusting in one's own works, one's righteous deeds or behavior, one's own belief or idea. You know, we always hear, well, I have my own idea about God and how things work and we've all heard that a million times. And This is my idea of worship and this is my idea of church and when I'm in the great outdoors I'm that's my church and that's and you know if God isn't happy or isn't satisfied with what I've done then that's his problem not mine <laughs> well we find out that it will be their problem <laughs> it is their problem but that's just kind of part of the natural man speaking out about things that he does err not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God <clears throat> so 
the next clause of that verse, though, is so important. We don't walk after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And Jesus said that Spirit would testify of Him, testify of the eternal love of God for the church, the sheep, the elect. Spirit testifies of the finished work of Christ on the cross for us, for His people. I lay down my life for the sheep, not in a universal, unambiguous uh, way. He died on purpose for those that He came to save. The Spirit causes us to cease from our own works, to totally rely on Christ for all our salvation. And it's the law, the power, the authority, the affectionness of the Spirit of life in Christ that makes us free from the law of sin and death. And verse 3 is very clear, stating that what the law could not do, being reliant on the flesh for the keeping of it, because it's weak. It, the, the keeping of the law is only as strong as we are, and, and we are not. And... <clears throat> We're impotent. We have no power through the flesh. We're strength. That word means uh, strengthless. <laughs> it's, the Greek is very clear in that we, <clears throat> the law could not do being reliant on the flesh. No power, no strength, impotent. The remedy was supplied by God in sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, for the sin of His people, and that condemned sin in the flesh. And again, we note the link to verse 1. And because of that, there, therefore there is now no condemnation to them which are in Christ. And in verse 4 is very clear regarding the source, the cause of there being no condemnation to them which are in Christ. He said that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. The source and the cause then is found in God sending the Messiah. That, that means the sent one, His own Son, the gospel of His substitutionary uh, death in our place. The Lord, is, as Isaiah said in chapter 53, the Lord having laid on Him the iniquity of us all from, from beginning to end, from the time of Adam till the time of the last sheep being brought in. He's laid on him the iniquity of, of all of us, all of his sheep. <clears throat> and because of our unity with Christ from the covenant of grace revealed in the new birth, he, he lays on him the iniquity of us all <clears throat> and gives us the beauty of gladness gives us all those wonderful things that we read in Isaiah 61. And He imputes to us His infinite righteousness, which then makes us free from the law of sin and death. Free. It has no rule over us. It has no power over us. It has no connection with us anymore. He says, we'll be without spot and without wrinkle. Uh, we'll, We'll not even have the smell of sin on us. We'll not have any indication of it on us. We'll be free from all of that. It, it's hard for us to envision that 
<clears throat> but that's what will what will be, what will be, and that's the good news that Jesus saves His people from their sins, and we are made free. So with that, be free. As we always say from John eight, chapter third eight thirty two. Thank you for your attention. Good seeing you all.